0: Today, Kathy's gonna be talking uh, about George Eastman and the United Way. Um, Before we get started, I just wanted to uh, remind everyone that our next Focus 45 is gonna be on Saturday, August 25th. Same time, same place, and here. Uh, And that's gonna be with Martin Scott, uh, and he's gonna be talking about photography and the graphic arts. Uh, Please join us for that talk, Uh, and please join me in welcoming Kathy Connor. I think, I mean, that mic will be a bit overkill. Can everyone hear me? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to uh, point out two handouts. So when we came in, there was this handout, which literally came out in 2004 when we were celebrating the sesquicentennial, the 100th anniversary of George Eastman's birth, in <coughs> 1854. I pointed out because on the back is a driving tour of the Rochester we would not have if it wasn't for George Eastman. There are over 25 different organizations on the tour, okay? The tour lasts about two hours, okay? But one, the community chest, the United Way of Greater Rochester is only one of those, okay? Mr. Eastman did a lot for our community. His legacy is large, but so many people don't know how many things he was involved with. And so in 2004, we put together a special insert in the newspaper along with the driving tour. Now I do tell, tell you, this is my, sort of caveat, please do not read this while you're driving a car. You can see that they (laughs) printed it very small. Make sure somebody else is reading it if you're doing the drive or whatever. But it really does kind of take you to all the organizations that he founded, funded, or served on the board. I always joke that the reason he could be involved and be on the boards or committees of over 40 different community organizations was because he wasn't married and he didn't have children. That's why he had the time to do all of this. And to not only give money, but give his time. So I do encourage you to take those. And then the other handout there is the 100 Years um, brochure for United Way of Greater Rochester, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. United Way printed those. George Eason plays a big part in their timeline here. I encourage you to take it and to kind of learn about more of the up-to-date organization. They're over there, and we actually have them in Spanish, too, if you know anyone that would be um, interested in that. I'm going to put these down here. And One of George Eastman's favorite quotes was that he wanted to make Rochester the best place in which to live and raise a family. And he could do that by many of the organizations that he started, like the Parks, like the Eastman School of Music, the University of Rochester, the various hospitals and healthcare facilities, but there were always those people that needed help and He felt that the community chest idea would be a great way to be able to find what the needs are in the community and then be able to service those needs. I also think there's a little bit of um, him wanting somebody else to decide what were the needs. George Eastman, as a wealthy man, received hundreds of letters a week asking him for money from organizations he had never heard of, all over the country and all over the world. And because of that, I think he loved the idea that somebody else could figure out what the needs are and the money could be put there, okay? So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today, and then, so I have sort of three parts to this program. A quick talk here in the theater. We're going to celebrate his birthday, have some cake and some drinks here, and then I encourage everyone who has not as yet seen the exhibit on Eastman and the United Way to go to the second floor of the mansion, And our security guards and some of these staff here can point you to that and look at the actual display itself, okay? Um, There's two cases and a number of things on the wall. It won't take that long, but it's really quite a nice display. And this thing at the end, when you're enjoying your cake, you can come up and look at it. Um, It's one of those funny things where people come to our Dryden Theater, they read our bulletin, Because they're waiting for the movie to start, and I got a call on Thursday of this past week from a married couple. They said, you know, we were hearing about your talk. We're going to be out of town. But, you know, we've had this thing in our attic for years. We think somebody that lived in the house basically was involved with the community chest of the United Way. Would you like me to bring it by? So I said, sure. They showed up with it yesterday, and so I decided to put it out here for you. What it is, and you'll see a sample of it in my show, but it is a... um, Detail of every single gift given by either companies or some big individuals in that very first campaign in 1918. Now, remember, okay, at that point in time, you came to a banquet, everyone. And so you saw in writing, this is pretty big. I mean, now, I mean, this thing was probably the length of, probably even bigger than this room on the wall. But when you come up um, closer, you can actually read the individuals and, uh, our uh, contact here from the United Way is pointing out some of the companies that are listed in here, like of course Eastman Kodak Company and Gleason and RF Harris Communications, ones that have been in the community for a long time that were contributors from that very beginning and still continue to contribute today. But it's also kind of a little incentive when you're at this banquet and you realize that your competitor right down the street gave more than you and everyone's seeing that. Okay, So it was another way again of twisting some arms to get um, some more money for the United Way. So in 1918, Ronald B. Woodward was the head of the Chamber of Commerce in our community. And he was a close friend of George Eastman's. Eastman was involved with the Chamber of Commerce. That was one of his many organizations and he was talking up the success of these war chests in Columbus, Ohio, and in the Syracuse, New York area. And he was convinced, trying to convince Mr. Eastman to kind of work on one here. So many people think Eastman started the community chest. He didn't start community chests all over the world or in this country, he just started the chapter that was here in Rochester, New York. So Eastman held a meeting Um, we believe here at his home that evening, and then basically discuss the matter with other people. And you'll see here this thing with Colonel Henry Strong. Colonel Henry Strong, for those that aren't docents, was George Eastman's business partner. He was the man that gave him the seed money to start his company. And because of that, he ran a lot of things by him. He really um, appreciated his advice in many ways. It was sort of like a father figure in his life. And so he basically tells him everything. But he also will try to convince him to give more money as well. So he says here, Considering a welfare or patriotic fund for the city to take in all the charities and all the war charitable activities. So you have to remember, during the war, everyone was to be rationed. Everyone had to give things up, so all the things went to fight in the war. And many women went into factories to work because the men were fighting on the battlefield or whatever. So the war chest here was extremely important to help support those in the military and those that were still here. God bless you. Oh, wonder, are you allergic to uh, birthday cake? No? Awesome. <laughs> lemonade, lemonade. So feel free if, like I said, to help yourself to the drinks too. So um, one of the things that George Eastman refers to in his letters, he is very keen on telling people if he knows them and he knows how much money they make or how much stock they own in his company he quotes them an amount of money they should be giving to this. Now, many of them don't quite think the same way that Mr. Eastman does, and so he writes a lot of letters, and you'll see here, he strongly encourages people to um, give to these, but then he also says in letters, well, did you realize that such and such gave this amount, and your business has done even more Uh, better this particular year more profits you should be giving even more a percentage to that he really got down and nowadays people might say that in a conversation but I very I don't think they probably do it in an email or a text really encouraging he put it in writing on his stationery and sent these letters to people and we have quite a few in the collection Um, this one here um, written to Colonel Henry Strong shows Mr. Eastman encouraging his friend to give at least 150 but up to $300,000 to the war chest. He also describes his plan to push others into giving as well, and he kind of outlines a plan. It's difficult to read all of the letters we have are carbon copies. They're the blue ink that you see over here because the secretary had to type all of those letters for him and mail them out. So what we have are those carbon copies in the collection. But these notorious slackers, one of the letters, um, and I might just um, do this and then I'll read some of the letters um, afterwards, is Mrs. Achilles. It was Colonel Strong's daughter. And she was going to give a certain amount and he goes, with your position in the community, you should be giving it this amount. And he puts it in writing. And you should tell your two sisters that they should do as much, knowing the father was making a lot of money through Kodak stock, he had the money and he had given it to his kids, they should also be helping out as well. Now one of the interesting things that I found out that there were also letters from a lot of the women's charitable groups at the time, sort of saying to him, Well, you know, the ladies are kind of upset that you're taking over their role in, like, getting Christmas baskets to the needy and the poor or doing things around the holidays. But then at the very end of all the letters, but me as the head of the committee and the chairperson could use a little break. So this is a great idea. Go ahead and do it. You know, so but some people really didn't like this idea. Other people were sort of stepping into their territory to raise money. And then so it's it's. Interesting, too, how in workplaces they would encourage one representative to go and speak to employees about this before, you know, the campaign began. And there were a couple of letters where um, the employees used it as a soapbox for being either Republican or Democrat okay and the various needs in the community and why and so then there's a letter talking about how we need to kind of like clear these people before they stand up in front of people it needs to be about the community chest not about their other own agendas and stuff as well so George Eastman actually took out ads in the newspaper as well as sort of flyers or things to let people know about the campaign that were probably posted, I would imagine, on street corners or whatever. I'm not sure what they would have put them on because I don't know if there was electricity (laughs) everywhere, if there were polls like that, but they were flyers that they used to announce things. And this thing, how much, the spirit of giving. There were many quotes from Mr. Eastman in these flyers and the things that were posted. They were also given to the companies to then hand out with their pay to their employees as well to let them know about it. Mr. Eastman was not one to get on a soapbox um, and to um, sort of promote certain types of campaigns. I don't ever remember him marching in a parade or being on a float like this, like except for the picture that you see here, and this was to promote that very first war chest. So you'll see he's, See, um, I can't really see myself, but Mr. Eastman is the one standing right up there in the middle and stuff, the one sort of looking at the man who's doing something with the, uh, the banner there, and all the other people are actually riding on this float as well. We researched thinking it was some sort of special holiday parade, but we couldn't find any other parade happening at this time, so we we believe that it is a parade to actually promote this first war chest in 1918. So it was very patriotic. There were a lot of military and a lot of um, nurses and women groups and stuff like that in it, and you'll notice that this is not from our collection. This is from the Albert B. Stone Negative Collection at the Rochester Museum and Science Center. We've used it throughout the exhibit and the promotion of these different activities or whatever here, but it's one of the few times Eastman got on a soapbox and actually spoke from this float as they would stop during the parade route. This first campaign raised over $4 million. $4 million, that's a lot at that time period, and it was only seven days. A number of those contributions were from Eastman. It says $500,000 of that came from George Eastman, who also covered the cost of the campaign, which they estimate to be about $100,000. So $600,000 of his money went into helping the organization get this campaign off the ground, and then giving his own gift as well. After the war, there were um, many people who still believed they needed to continue doing this because soldiers were coming back to um, their homes, and now the wives basically returned back to home, and the husbands took the job, but many of the Um, The men had been injured in the war, had various health issues, and so he felt there should be money reserved to help them out, kind of make that transition back to the community or whatever, and into their home and into their regular life. And so the fund continued, but it started to, everyone was changing the names. And you'll see here that the war chest then became the community chest. And it continued to increase contributions or whatever, as you can see from 1919 to 1929. Those are very big numbers for a time when people were not making more than, you know, like five, 10, $15 a week. That's a lot of of money to be raised. Now, in the exhibit upstairs on the second floor, you will see the uh, very large framed um, picture of the banquet that is taking place. All those tables were set up and people came at the end of the campaign to be applauded because they had raised so much money, but also to be given credit by the amounts that were listed next to their name or their company's name. The original of that is up in the exhibit, and you will see that then. But what's amazing to me is I tried to count how many tables based on how many people were sitting at the table. There were probably 250, maybe 300 people sitting down there. I would assume not the people that worked for the companies, but the heads of those companies that came. That's quite an extensive campaign for your first year. I mean, I think all of us in fundraising would love if we could be that successful that very first year. It usually takes a while to kind of get something like that going. So um, you know, it it continued and it now is starting to help not only the people returning from the war, but other community um, groups and interests that um, the the United Way or the Community Chess believed were in the community. And then in 1929, and this is, I had always thought this was around forever, but I guess it just started because we give here through the United Way through payroll deduction. I just thought it had always been around, but it didn't start until 1929. right around the Depression, which is kind of a really weird time, I think, to start something like that. But this gentleman, Soul Human, helps them to begin this 52-week deduction system. I have nothing to show what that deduction thing looked like from 1929 and nor did the United Way of Greater Rochester in their archives. So I used my pledge form from um, you know, this year to kind of show you that you could then decide. It was um, realized that if you broke it down from week to week, you would definitely get each individual person to give a lot more than they would if they had to write one check initially to the whole campaign. And so this became kind of the way of the future and stuff for the community chest. This is a campaign poster, but it is one that um, we hear talk a little bit about about George Eastman because um, George Eastman, for um, those in the room who don't know, had two other sisters. He was one of three. He was the youngest of three children. His middle sister, Emma Kate, had polio. And so she eventually not only had the braces, but she walked with crutches and eventually was in a wheelchair. And many people feel that this design was sort of inspired by Mr. Eastman, that he spoke to this uh, Lillian Otitis and others who were doing these. You see this girl, in different colored dresses, different colored hair ribbons, but a similar girl in a lot of the campaign posters. And we believe it's sort of a throwback to his Um, little sister, because he remembers her walking that way. She died by the time she was 20. So she never lived to marry or to have kids or whatever and stuff. But um, you can see that um, he continued to not only be involved with the community chest, but also to give money as well as serve on the board. And even when he died, money was left to them in his will and then um, and I think it was 12, I'm going to show you something in a second, these little um, index cards that he documented all his gifts. You'll see the original ones are in the exhibit upstairs so it shows what he gave to the war chest, what he gave to the community chest and there was one in there, Rochester Patriotic and Community Fund as well and then the community chest was still the name when Mr. Eastman died in 1932. It didn't become the United Way of Greater Rochester until after his death. And so we have cards that indicate by year what his gift was that year to each of the different campaigns. Um, I have one here, and I'll pass it around so that you can see it. I brought one of another charity, the Rochester Female Charitable Society, and this was the one group that was a little concerned that they would be usurped what they were doing in the community if this community chest took off. You'll see that Mr. Eastman still gave them money, The dates are on the side and then the amount of money that he um, gives is there and there's only information, I'll start it right here, if you could just pass it around. And then if one of the docents could just make sure I get it back, because that is one of my originals, um, I would like to put it back in the vault. And then this is Mr. Eastman's charity file. So this oak box I think was probably intended as a recipe box, but George Eastman's secretary, Alice K. Whitney Hutchison, it's beautiful and it's heavy she created a index card system here all of the organizations not only on that uh, tour of Rochester are included but many others that um, are not in existence today many that um, are still in existence but have now changed their names so there was for example just to give you an idea it was called the um, Rochester Oh, it's so terrible. What is that? The um, the Forgotten and Unwanted Women, okay? Like everyone wants to go there, right? It is now called the Friendly Home. So it still exists, but thankfully they got some good PR people that changed the name of that organization along the way so that it, the organization exists, but if you were to look it up in his index cards, it would be a completely different name with all of his different donations. It initially was just for women, widows or whatever, to go there and stuff to either rehab or basically to die. It eventually, under Eastman's um, sort of leadership, they could allow men and men and women's couples could actually move in there as well. So he was involved in that organization too. But... We have this, and this is amazing resource for us because if you want to know um, what he gave to, what he didn't give to, sometimes there's, um, I'll give you an example. The YMCA received a lot more money than the YWCA but I think a lot of it was just because the YWCA didn't ask him, okay? Anytime they did, whether it's money for a Christmas party, a Christmas tree, whatever, he gave it, but there were no big gifts to them, and I wonder, I've always wondered why, okay? There's a lot of organizations in there. If people ask me, was he involved with this club or that club, I can look it up in here in alphabetical order. One of um, the things I joke with to my archivist, Jesse, is that there's a whole section under I, individuals, because they're not an organization. And there are tons of individuals that are obviously relatives. They share either the Kilborn or the Eastmore, Eastman name, but then there's others we're like, geez, why did you give them all this money? So I think each one of them is a great research project, and I hope in my retirement to come back and try to figure out who some of those people are because we've never had the chance to do so up until now. There are thousands of cards in there, okay? quite a few organizations, some that he only gave to once, but some that he gave to repeatedly over his lifetime. These are the four cards that you'll see when you go upstairs. So you can see I, I have to move over here so I can actually read them. It's the Rochester, the Patriotic and Community Fund down here, Rochester Community Chess. So the names might have changed, but you can see by the years on the card and the amount, and then many times he made a pledge and then it took him a few payments able to um, come clean on that pledge but they're all documented here the only one not documented in this list is what he gave in his will because that was predetermined in advance or whatever and not written down on the card so even right before he died um, he changed his will and added a little bit more money for the community chest so um, you'll see those originals in the case and I do encourage you to go on up and check up the show now even during the Great Depression you can see there's the bread line or whatever here the amount of money for the first time dropped of what they could raise, but most people weren't working. Most people needed the money themselves. The need was that much greater. And then again, by 1936, they started to exceed their goals again or whatever. And I think a lot of this was because the heads of corporations okay, gave a little bit more. All right? Not expecting the individuals, but the companies that were doing well, especially those that had done well during the war. Okay, um, We're asked to give a little bit more, and uh, and it worked. Um, and again, this is from the Library of Congress or whatever. It's not one of our images here from Eastman House. Now, as things changed and stuff in the course of the history, and the community chest then becomes the Rochester community and the war chest, and they began to serve our whole entire county in the 1940s, other people, until I started doing research, I didn't realize how much of a... Um, you know, incentive they also gave to the United Way. This is Joseph C. Wilson of Xerox. And because of all the race riots that we were having in the 1960s and all the problems with guns and things like that in our city, he made a special donation to the United Way at that time so that um, in memory of Dr. Martin Luther King, but the money was supposed to be used for... Um, inner city um, like uh, buildings to be built, so there was good housing for people in the inner city. That was the purpose of it. It was done in memory of Martin Luther King Jr. Because when I saw his picture inside the brochure United Way Did, I didn't understand the connection. I was like, well, Martin Luther King, why would he have given that? And the research said it was for low income housing in the city of Rochester, hoping that to improve the status of the poor would cut down on so many of these race problems and stuff that he had been experiencing. Today, this is what the United Way of Greater Rochester building looks like, and you can see their logo there. Um, they um, also united with other agencies or whatever to become the community chest of Greater Rochester, and I'm assuming that meant uh, some of the outlining areas, they sort of, to sort of umbrella them and stuff into their campaigns. And then by 1980, the United Community Chest of Greater Rochester officially joined the United Way system, and that means the national system okay, of all those fundraising in our country. Um, I believe it's a little later in the uh, PowerPoint, I'll show you a plaque, but in 2004, same time we did that magazine of the driving tour, we also um, put historic markers on 12 different organizations in our community. You can still drive around and see them if you're looking for them, I know where they all are, sometimes you don't um, see them immediately, But the uh, United Way of Greater Rochester put theirs on the outside of their building, but that's because they own their building. And then the American Red Cross put it on the outside of their building because they own their building. But things like the Rochester Philharmonic Orchestra couldn't put their marker on their building because they don't own it. It's just an office that they rent. So they had theirs on the inside or on an easel or whatever. But there are 12 different organizations that still exist. The Eastman Theater, the Eastman School of Music, the University of Rochester, the Strong Memorial Hospital, the Dental Dispensary, which is now the Institute of Oral Health, All of them have markers on their buildings or in the U of R campus to mark the contributions that Eastman made. And then my most favorite thing about um, the United Way is the uh, United Way Day of Caring. Now they say it started in 1993, so I have to believe that's true. I know I've participated in all but two years. Um, The year I had my daughter, I wasn't here, I was on maternity leave. And um, one other time, and I can't remember what we had going on here, but it conflicted. But every single year, I put our name in to get a group of corporate volunteers to come here and do work. Many times, and especially if it's a nice day, a lot of them want to be outside. And you can see here, this was this year's group from Paychex. They all had shirts they were wearing. They were doing all kinds of landscaping work. They weed, they mulch depending upon the season. Most of the time it's in April or early May, kind of thing, when we do this. So they can do a lot of this sort of cleaning. They do a lot of things in a lot of the other not for profit organizations as well. For me, it is the only time I would ever get woodwork and windows cleaned here at the Eastman House. So you can (laughs) see. You can see some of the ladies that are inside helping me. We're doing all those little. Uh, sort of uh, carvings and stuff like that in the woodwork and in the plaster. Each one of those has to be cleaned with Q-tips and Murphy's oil soap. There's no way my regular housekeeper can do that, so a lot of these corporate people come help us for the day. But one of the things I found, not only do I get the cleaning done and the landscaping done, which is wonderful, but many of them have never been to the museum before. And it's only because their community or their corporation is giving them the day off to come. Then they learn about us. Part of it is that we give them a pizza lunch at the end, and then I take them on a tour of the whole facility. And for a lot of them, it's their first opportunity to see what we're all about because they're all living in Rochester. But as we all know, many people that live in Rochester or have their whole life don't come here. It's all the visitors who come from out of town. And so we find that a lot. From those Day of Carings, we have gotten many evening special events because they will go back and say, hey, why don't we have our Christmas party here? Why don't we have our annual meeting here? You know, it's another way of coming back to use some of our other facilities, so we find it a great plus for our organization, and we hope for those corporations. Here's just a couple of other pictures, and they do a lot with Food Link, a lot of food cupboards. They do a lot with daycare centers. I know El Siegel Center and... School of the Holy Childhood, a lot of those organizations get things painted, things moved around and reorganized because of a lot of the corporate volunteer help for Day of Caring. Um, I brought a few things because when I was looking through all my files, I don't remember this one, but I guess um, Jim Kelly was one of the speakers. And so I brought a few of these that I can kind of share at the end. Every Day of Caring usually started off with a speaker kind of to rally you in the morning before you went out to do your work. Jim Kelly and a lot of other famous people came to town to be able to do that and um, you know, kind of get those campaigns off the ground. Here is the plaque that hangs on the United Way of Greater Rochester. I'll see if I can read it. In 1918 during World War I, George Eastman led the formation of the war chest that unified community charitable campaigns, was the foundation for today's United Way. And so, his um, sort of like that bronze with his birth and death dates are on every plaque, but every plaque is different with the description of what he did for the organization. Sorry, get out of your way. It continues today with Wegmans doing great things. Um, every time you go in the checkout line, Wegmans is always asking you and stuff if you're willing to give a dollar. And Most of the times, I have to say, I do. people don't care. It's a dollar, so they, they give it. It's a great way to raise money. I had no knowledge of how much they raised, but I thought $149,000 is pretty doggone good for just right at the um, you know, point of purchase type of thing. And they now, in 2011, did the first rock the day thing, so that means you could do online giving. Which was a whole new thing. And then in 2017, just last year, they raised $25.4 million for the Rochester community. And what's wonderful about that is that there are groups of people and committees within the United Way that are figuring out what the key interests are in the community, what are the needs, and then making sure that the money goes that way. You can still designate to your particular charity, but you can also give to a fund that will help the whole entire community. I um, brought a couple of... Letters to read. And I will try to get glasses on and do these, but I wanted to read you the one that he sent to um, Mrs. Strong just quickly. And then I actually am going to read you his response to somebody who asked him if he thought the United Way was a good idea. So replying to your letter of July 26, inquiring as to whether I consider our community chess plan a success and asking what I consider to be the principal advantages resulting from the operation of the plan, I beg to say that after four years of experience with the plan, so this is 1921, during which time many improvements have been made in it, I consider it an unqualified success. Of course, I do not mean by this that it has not now been brought to a point where no further improvements are possible, but I do mean that it has arrived at a point where there are no threatening obstacles to overcome and that its continuance in this community seems assured. It has won the almost unanimous approval of the community, including many who at first were very skeptical about its permanent success And meaning a lot of the organizations who were doing their own fundraising felt now no one would give to them or less would give to them because they were giving to a united community chest it was feared by some that many of the principal supporters of the charities as they were organized before the chest and who had devoted themselves mostly to specific charities would then their money was put into a common fund lose their personal interest experience has shown that these persons upon whom the charities must continue to rely for the major part of their support, have not only um, not lessened their personal interest and support, but largely relieved from the drudgery of soliciting these other funds, have been able to devote more of their attention to improving the efficiency, efficiency of their organization. On the other hand, the chest has been instrumental and in interesting in the charities of the city, literally tons of thousands of people who never gave to them before, so that now a good deal more um, can be done for the community. And I want to find that one to Mrs. Strong. I put little markers here, but then... Um, oh, this one is, is good, too. So this is to Mrs. Gertrude Achilles. This is one of the Strong da- daughters. He sends it to her at her hotel in San Jose, California. Our community chest is on again, and I hate to see you left out. <laughs> so I would... Pos- left out of it entirely. So would, not be, would you not be willing to go on for $2,500... One great thing is that it makes Rochester a better place for Kodak workmen to live in and bring up their families. Okay, And there's tons of them in here. I have this in the exhibit space as well so that people can read some of his letters because I had to use glasses. I had to bring it here and put some markers on it, but I will leave the book up there. So if you do go to see the um, exhibition, you can also read some of these yourself. Um, amazing the harm twisting that he did. I also wanted to pass around, because you'll see some samples In the um, gallery as well, we have an amazing collection of little buttons. One of the things the United Way did was acknowledge givers at a certain level. Okay, or ones that were heading up committees to to raise money for them. You would get a little red feather or you'd get a specific thing. I'll pass these around. These came from one of my committee members, Robbie Bolzer. These were just ones she found in her and her husband's drawer when she was cleaning out, getting ready to move, and she knew I was doing this, so she passed them around. Most of them are like little... Um, medals you get as if you won a prize. And it shows the community chest there and the year. And I don't know, I couldn't tell you how much you had to give to get one of those versus the little buttons, but you can look at them yourself. And uh, just pass it around and stuff to uh, the rest of the group here. I also wanted to share the various ways the Eastman House and George Eastman, even though he's been gone since 1932, at least three times in my history here at the museum, we've been asked to find a actor that looks like George Eastman, dress him up in a Hickey Freeman suit, and then have him be in either the United Way video that they show before every solicitation campaign in the corporation. Um, And so what I've done is I've pulled some photos for you of our last George Eastman coming down the stairs here and the film crew that was filming him here at the house. And then once at Kodak, I dressed up a different um, look-alike of George Eastman, who actually went into uh, Building 28 to Kodak Theater on the Ridge. Went down and, like everyone, saw him kind of lurking in the audience, but then he actually went up on stage and addressed his employees, you know, 100 years after he was gone, basically, to give to the campaign. So I'll pass these photos around so you can see those. My last one so in 2018 they celebrated their hundred years in the community and we've been fortunate um, ever since we've restored part of the second floor we have a sitting room where we do different changing exhibitions Every year since we've had the sitting room, there has been a hundredth anniversary of something Eastman was involved with. So first it was dental, then it was music. This year it happens to be the community chest or the United Way. But I think from the list that you saw on the driving tour, we'll have many more anniversaries to celebrate over the years and more special exhibits to kind of highlight how Eastman was involved with so many different organizations in our community. Now I'm happy to um, address any questions, but then I um, will start cutting cake We have vanilla and chocolate. George Eastman's birthday is July 12th. July 12th either always happens to come on Corn Hill Festival weekend when everyone's out doing that, or it's in the middle of the week like it did this year on a Wednesday. So doing a sheet cake, doing a sort of celebration just doesn't work because we don't have the crowds that we can count on or whatever. So I decided to do cake today. Now one thing I do not do is sing. So, um, if uh, we will just cut the cake and enjoy that, if anyone else wants to sing, they can do that.